Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update at JM and the AM. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Good morning. How are you? Hope everyone's healthy and well and that uh, you continue to be able to uh, work on behalf of our people. Baruch Hashem, we'll be learning to all these new technical skills and how to be remote. Maybe get too used to it. That's the danger. <laughs> you don't want to see anybody anymore. <laughs> You're already starting to fear that, huh? I, I have decided that this is not really an epidemic. It's a phone-demic. <laughs> I can't get off the phone. From, we have conference calls and from early morning till late in the evening, and I, I, the whole day is gone by the time I turn around. Somebody said to me that their ear muscles are starting to hurt <laughs> <laughs> because of the phone activity. And I guess you could relate to that. And, yes, it's funny because whenever I uh, say to myself, my gosh, you know, uh, what time is it? It's usually like 4 or 5 p.m. This week, for the first time, I turned around. It was only like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I said, wow, I can't believe the day hasn't marched on the way it usually does. Uh, As day turns into night and one thing drifts into another, it's really unbelievable. Everyone into a real new reality, to say the least. Um, All right, Malcolm, let's start with... um, uh, a couple of things going on in Israel. First of all, is there is there trouble in actually forming this government now? Is it going on without any difficulty? What's the story? Nothing in Israel goes without difficulty when it comes to politics. So I think um, while it changes all the time, there are reports and the indications are that they are closer to a deal. And uh, God willing, that will, will be the case, and we will see... Uh, you know, government come out of this very soon. They need it. The, the you know the crisis, the immediate crisis, but also the longer term and the, all the indications that we have that you know Iran is going to look to take advantage of this. Others are that the, the quiet from Hamas and Hezbollah, who are also preoccupied, is is a temporary one, and the need to for Israel to be able to have a strong enough government to address the economic implications, because you know the the concern we have and that we have been focusing on in terms of here, and I heard what you said about the, the advice to organizations, which is very important, yeah. uh, is to focus also on the day after. And, uh, you know, there are going to be long-term implications of this that we haven't even begun to understand what it will mean for a lot of our institutions and for a lot of people. Uh, and it's true both here and domestically, but it's uh, but the internationally and in the global picture will also be affected. Um, you know, we see the in the Middle East, this is just starting really in some countries, and we don't have real numbers. We know that it's huge in Iran. We know it's huge in other countries. Iran is taking advantage of this in terms of its nuclear program. So Israel needs to be able to get its act together, get past some of the political argumentation and get focused on the i mean if you, you there there's so many things that implications that we don't even think of you know that mm-hmm. the wax on the on the harbaites on the temple mount took advantage of this now to start digging on the temple mount and which, uh, which they can't do without government authority obviously exa- exactly and they do a lot of damage to the antiquities and they haven't you know they did it in days of arafat when we and the sifting project is what more than ten, twelve years old, and they're still going through all of the stuff that was um, that was taken and that destroyed and, and the taken to the, to the dump. 
uh, and removed from from uh, there and put in the Jerusalem forest so that could be held and gone through and sifted through. Um, first of all, you know, with the enemy being quiet, nonetheless, there were rockets from Gaza to Israel this week, correct? Yeah, very few. It was, it was um, probably pitched because Hamas right now is not interested in it. They're they're focused on trying to contain it in Gaza because if it, if it really spreads in Gaza, it'll go like wildfire. Uh, there were two guys who came back from Pakistan who were infected and infected some of the guards at the border crossing. But it seems the number of cases is uh, is somewhat limited. The, um, and, of course, the actions go out, and we see the terrible things online, the, the massive anti-Semitic um, campaign that is being stimulated. You have a governmental level with Iran blaming the United States, blaming Israel, China for a while, did other sources, but mostly the anti-Semitic websites are picking up every Jewish name, every Jewish connection to this, which is why some of the images are so are particularly damaging at this time. Yeah. But the... Um, uh, so we have that manifestation that we don't even th- talk much about now, uh, which is the um, you know the, how the what will happen when campus start again, and we have all the anti-Israel, anti-Semitic uh, stuff starting uh, uh, starting all over, and you know there are so many other manifestations that. I mean, we can go into about, but if you look at the regional situation, what's happening in Lebanon, we have a collapse of a government. You know, the economic collapse is, is taking. They defaulted on the on the loans, and that's even before this started. You have, you know, um, the warnings by the U.S. to Iran and the responses by Iranian officials. You know, if they want war, we're ready. We're going to teach them a lesson, and uh, they're in no position to teach anybody a lesson right now. They're they're in real dire situations, and. Perhaps when this is over, the people will, like they were before, will be out in the streets and will hold them to account and could make some real um, differences in the situation in Iraq, where Iran is extending its influence and trying to do this quickly because I know we have limited time. Um, and the um, the new head of the guy replaced Soleimani, the head of the IRGC, Quds Forces, was there, was in Iraq, and uh, trying to, number one, block the new... Uh, Prime Minister Zorfi, uh, who they they don't like and who um, they're trying to create an alternative to, but he was appointed and designated and is supposed to take office soon. And they only have a few more days to form a government in Iraq or goes back to ground zero. And one of the most upsetting things is the, the um, release of the killers of Daniel Pearl by the government of Pakistan. Right. For those of us who knew him and what he did, this was uh, really upsetting. And how he died in the Kiddush Hashem that he made. Right. Um, we have to acknowledge, and uh, maybe I should have done this at the beginning, um, uh, you and I often reflect the mood of the worldwide Jewish community, or, or, or certainly uh, the Jewish community of this area as it relates to Israel and other things. We, we have to acknowledge that there is a lot of pain going on in our community right now. I mean that worldwide, obviously, but specifically now for a moment, New York and New Jersey, a lot of people are being lost. I think everybody at this point knows somebody or, or you know, in, or in some ancillary way knows somebody who has passed away, uh, whether it be rabbis or community leaders or people who act like community leaders, both men and women who uh, have either led organizations or have led their own efforts to help other people. We hear these stories, of course, after their passing. Um, somebody who taught my children uh, 
and Manhattan Day School, Rabbi Heber, for 40 years, passed away this week from this thing, and uh, uh, and somebody who had visited this neighborhood on a regular basis, you know, every Friday for many years from Chabad, passed away, and the list goes on and on and on. And I just think that often you have the right words uh, in reaction to the collective pain that the Jewish world feels, and uh, we're being hit very hard right now. Extremely hard, and disproportionately so. I think if uh, you look at the numbers in Great Britain, uh, really uh, underscore it where they are three-tenths of one percent of the population, but ten times that number, percentage of the victims of uh, of this. Uh, many people have different theories that it came about because of Purim and people were together. But, and in general, our community is so together. And it comes together every Shabbos in different times, which Wedding. is why people had to heed the warnings. But the... the um, the shocking thing is that this proportionate number of rabbanim and rabbanim, but um, who who uh, of all ages, by the way, right. going down to very young ages, um, is is astonishing. And every morning, if you look at the list, it's it's incredible the number of people worldwide, and especially here in the United States, uh, we don't even know of them all. I saw the the deputy head of. Um, Torah Tamima and right. others who who, who are nifter that we didn't right. know. It's just that when they see newspaper reports, and because word doesn't get out that easily, uh, or people don't go to Levias. I mean, I knew I know uh, knew several of the people who died this week. Some yeah. even a member of my own shul. It's it's really tragic, and we're going to have long term, I said, pain and and uh, suffering. People don't even have the right way to mourn. Um, Afterwards, uh, because of the the restrictions that Levias are limited, and you know, uh, and too many of the people have to die alone because you can't go to hospitals and they can't go to places to where where people are sick. All these uh, things we were not used to, uh, and just until a couple of weeks ago, it's unbelievable the transformation that everyone everyone has it's had to make. Terrifying that that when we talk about things changing overnight, changing in a blink of an eye. You think about this, that if you would have said this to somebody, you know, the week before Purim, they would have said, are you crazy? What is not going to happen? Right. That there will be nobody at any Seder outside of immediate family. If you would have, I mean, could you imagine having said that a month ago to somebody? They would have thought you're crazy. That 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 is is right. That that we would have suffered the losses we have. But, you know, we we say from the Agada that we begin... Uh, that we begin with uh, with depression and sadness and embarrassment, and uh, we end in Shevach, and we're going to end up okay. The community will be okay. You know, people, if they follow the guidelines, will be safe. Right. The new ways are being found. I know the young Israel of New Rochelle, that they did these... Um, they did a blood drive, and Rockefeller University gave them a report where they, a statement where they said that they were able, because of it, to, to actually um, find the antibodies within the blood, and they think that they can, based on that, um, and, and more testing is going on, um, that they will maybe be able to develop a vaccine from that that there are many things going on in Israel. And if you see the really remarkable stories of chesed, of people who are volunteering, you think of yep. within our community, but all the doctors, all the nurses who are doing round-the-clock stuff, the police, the fire, the, all the others in our community. But And in, in Israel, you know, they turned the production line for the Merkava tank into producing ventilators and 
and other equipment, emergency equipment. They changed the uh, Army's uh, repair place for the trucks to, to uh, outfitting, ambu- fixing ambulances. They then, and the, the people, the food distribution, there were massive efforts at food distribution, as there are here, with all the restrictions following the rules, the people making sure that uh, elderly people in our neighborhoods and their communities aren't al- don't, don't uh, go into Pesach without food. Yeah. So there are so many remarkable stories of what people did and the doctors working around the clock. No question about it. Really not, we should not lose sight of that as we deal with our, each of our individual challenges. Um, all right, a few minutes left. Let's see if we could do this quickly. Um, the president, you you just said that there's a. I didn't think it was necessary for the president to to issue a threat to certain countries, especially Iran. You know, I, I thought that they're all preoccupied with the uh, with the coronavirus, but uh, I, I mean, you've just changed my mind because now it seems that that threat from the president of the United States or the warning from him was in fact necessary. It was necessary to send a message because we know that they're engaged in all sorts of mischief, especially in Iraq, where they, you know, have carried out the 26th attack against American troops, but have threatened more. We know that, uh, as I mentioned, the visit of uh, Soleimani's right. successor and some of these other things that uh, underscore what. Um, and and uh, by the way, still trying to ship stuff into Syria, Israel hit this week a very important target. It's still not clear, but it would representatives of Hezbollah from Lebanon and uh, the IRGC were meeting in Syria. And uh, Boy, but they, they don't get it. Rockets. They don't get it. Huh? Every time they try that, Israel Israel's able to uh, to stop them. Uh, that's right. And the the um you know with the but the focus the internal focus but think about what will happen with the uh, because of the economic dislocation and people wanting to divert attention if governments are going to be tottering that we could have escalating uh, unrest and by the way domestic unrest i think here too but also in- internationally right. what does the president mean when he says i think iran wants a deal i think they really want a deal like what's he what's he assuming that somebody in iran wants to sit down with the us and and make a an actual deal right now well, I can't always interpret it, but uh, uh, what, you know what the specific reference was. But the warning uh, uh, he, he says because and they they indicate, but they want to uh, deal on their terms. Right. And he what he's doing is holding out the promise that that there is a deal, he's not, it, it, which uh, diminishes some of the opposition who are still pressing for renewal of the deal. That the uh, that he's you know in favor of it, but it's got to be on our terms. No nuclear, no nuclear weapons, as he said, which I guess would be the most basic. And part they're of moving it. all the time ahead on the stockpiling uh, during this time, and and the IEA inspectors can't get in because everything is sealed, so they're not even inspecting and seeing what what Iran is up to. Yeah, understood. And and explain to me, <laughs> I, I just I, I just don't get it because you know when it comes to economics, I have no expertise. When he speaks of Syria and Russia and their involvement now in the oil industry that you know where the prices are dropping like crazy what is he talking about in terms of an alliance or deal between the two of them so the he, he the, the report of course is that the two are at war with one another economic war and that they are um and they brought down 
the uh, price of oil, saying that they would continue to produce at maximum. And um, so what he, the implication of what he's saying is that they were, they were conspiring to break the American industry, and especially the fracking business, by bringing the price down so low that these others can be competitive, that Saudi Arabia can produce it much cheaper than Russia. I don't know whether this is just conspiracy theorists or, or there could be some reality uh, to it, but it, it seems that that has ended, that the competition and now the price of oil has gone up. I think it jumped 11% in, you know, yesterday or maybe a little bit more. Um, whether it's really over, we'll see. But uh, I, I don't know why they would do I mean, both of them are paying a heavy price. Russia is dependent upon this income even more than Saudi Arabia. Uh, but Saudi Arabia's economic conditions aren't what they were. So to think that they – what the real purpose of this conflict was, whether – it, it was to demonstrate independence or for Saudi Arabia to position itself. And, and at a time when there is such a glut of oil, doesn't necessarily make sense. What does it do to the American oil industry, whether they have a deal or not? How, would that be good? Would either one be good or bad for the U.S.? Well, the U.S. is economic, is uh, oil independent. The question is our infrastructure here, and, and if some of the fracking places close down and are under tremendous economic pressure because at $22 a barrel, you can't produce. Um, so when it was at $40, $50, it was economically viable. We don't know yet what the long-term damage is if any of these companies. I mean, I heard that some of the smaller companies were closing down. We'll have to see, and and we'll see how fast the price of oil comes up. But the demand won't be there because factories aren't working, people aren't driving. You know, there's not that much. Uh, there's much less uh, use. Yeah, I don't like the fact that uh, gas is a dollar fifty a gallon. I have nowhere to go. That's not. That's not a good feeling. <laughs> Store <exactly>. it up. <laughs> that's an idea. Yeah, fill your sukkah with it. <laughs> put it on the porch. <laughs> um, finally, I mean. Well, two things. First of all, you know, I know that a new government is being formed in Israel, and hopefully it actually will fall into place. You described for us, you know, the, the up-to-date information a few minutes ago. Uh, why does it seem to me that there is like a round robin of minister positions and that I, I can't imagine that someone who has an expertise in a specific area where they've served as minister – uh, for you know, for many years, now all of a sudden has an expertise in a department that's completely unlike their former one. Uh, is is that what's basically going on? That we'll we'll have people who are who are novices uh, in certain departments of the Israeli government. Yes, it's unique and it's so much different than here, where the president gets to a point. People don't understand why. Uh, in coalition politics, it's different. But you have to reward people, and you have to reward the partners that will become part of your coalition and satisfy their interests. And, of course, there are the primary uh, positions, but they're not necessarily the ones we know. There are positions that have a tremendous amount of patronage and jobs and stuff that they that they want to give. Then there's the prestige positions, defense, foreign minister. We see foreign minister as much more important than people in Israel do, um, but it is considered one of the prestigious positions, and certainly treasury finance right. uh, very important. And... But you I know, never you I, hope but, that they're going to get people who are smart and can adjust. And but I uh, never thought of that. It's 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 just a different way of getting these people into those offices. Completely different way. And, and to get people, get the coalition and yeah. the parties into the coalition. Right. It's horse trading that goes on. And right now, there's still a lot of difficulties because a small party, relatively small party, 
which is necessary for the majority to get to 61 or above, can exercise way disproportionate influence and demand many more seats than they are entitled to. Understood, and very quickly if we can. um, Every segment of the community has a different way of reacting to what happened this week with the health minister of Israel, that now he is quarantined with his wife with coronavirus. Uh, and, And everyone has, depending on what community or segment of the community you're from, everyone has their perspective. Could you give us a sound, level-headed response to this news item that he's now quarantined with coronavirus? Yeah, but doesn't mean, first of all, he doesn't have the virus. He's being quarantined because he was exposed to the virus by the health minister, which is a little bit of strange thing, who, who does have it, as does his wife, Litzman. No, I don't mean prime minister. I'm talking about people, when they've heard that the health minister now has coronavirus, everyone has had different reactions to that because of the segment of the community that he represents. I am asking you for a sound, level-headed response to the fact that he has it. Right. I'm going to get to it, but I just wanted to say that people shouldn't think the government freezes because the prime minister has all the ability to continue to to work. The the message and, and the health minister visited communities and stuff where he got exposed, but too many people, when B'nai Brock now is sealed off, as are other uh, areas and and the numbers and the disproportionate numbers of, of victims is uh, means that nobody is immune to it. And a lot of people who thought this is not for them and that, that you know that the, and those small numbers who continue to manifest opposition or not to comply should understand that you're not nobody is going to be exempt from it. And when they're filling the hospitals and denying other people care, that they are, are could be the responsible for the deaths of people. That there's not rights on every single person, every individual, to think about it, to think about the the consequences of their actions for themselves and for the community. Malcolm, uh, we, we will speak, please God, on Isru Chag, the day after Yuntif, two weeks from today. I take this opportunity to wish you and your family a happy and healthy Shabbos and a happy and healthy Chag Kasher V'Sameach. And everybody should remember, when you say, Behold, Dar Vidar, we have the external enemies, we have the known enemies, the unknown. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Matzileinu Miyadam. Ultimately, we be saved and people should daven good and uh, and act responsibly. Amen. Thank you so much for that. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Next weekly update, literally the day after Yontif, 17th of April, two weeks from today.